How do you win the new mobile economy? Hello and welcome to Retention Masterclass. My name is John Kutsier. Great, John. And of course, I'm Peggy Ann Salt, we're your co-host for today's show. The new economy runs on subscriptions, right? News, games, videos, transportation, right? Uber, Lyft, homes, uh, where you live, your rent, maybe uh, other things like that. Newer ways of having a home and living in a place. Meals as well. Meals on wheels and lots mm -hmm. of different services, right? Almost everything is or can be a subscription. And to your point, John, it's interesting. I've been doing some research into this, right? And they're calling it the coronavirus bump, actually. And this is huge time for subscriptions, not just streaming. That's the biggest one, but they are huge. They're part of our new economy in our new normal, our next normal. And awesomely interesting as well, the absolute monetization model everyone's excited about. Because what's better than cash flow, right? Research, hey, I don't think that's what your yeah. husband calls it when he keeps getting those packages every month, but hey, <laughs> whatever you got to tell him to make it work, not a problem. Anyways, today, yeah. you're right, Peggy, subscription is driving so it much revenue, right? Today, we're chatting with an expert, right? Absolutely. So we're going to be talking to someone who's looking at the subscription model, going to give us some cool data, some great ideas around it. Welcome to Retention Masterclass, Vitaly Davidoff. CEO, co-founder of Adapti. Great to have you. Hi. Hi, Peggy. Hi, John. It's nice to meet you. Excellent. Great to meet you. Great to have you as well. Let's start off right here, right in the middle. What's yeah. so critical about subscriptions that you started a whole company focused on optimizing them? Yeah. So, you know, we work with mobile subscriptions especially. And what really caught my attention is that if you pick a random app in the App Store or Google Play, and if it's not a game, it will have a subscription. So I can certainly say that most applications monetize within app subscriptions. And the point is only a tiny percent of users, like 3% of users become paid subscribers. And this number is decreasing. And you know, 80% of subscribers unsubscribe pretty quickly in just three months or four months. So that's what really caught my attention. And Either most applications have subscription, but tools for making for working with them effectively does not exist yet. I mean, mm -hmm. you can work with Amplitude or you can work with the Apps Flyer, but if you want your own BI or an analytical system, you need to build it in house. And in general, I just believe that it's it's a future. I, I took a look at your product really quick. I took a look at your site really quick, and it it really made me think this is kind of CRM for the mobile subscription economy. Is it an accurate? description so when i tell about adapt i say it's it's a one-stop solution for an app subscriptions so basically we give everything to deploy analyze and optimize subscriptions but you also have yeah kind of a crm for mobile subscribers that's true mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a polite no peggy <laughs> <laughs> i looked at i thought it was a little bit more about like ai for ltv in a way Ooh. is when i was looking at it am oh. i a little closer <laughs> yeah a little closer. Okay. Come on. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's jump just back a little bit because, you know, you come from a physics background and I'm trying to think physics to pricing, not the usual jump. It sounds a little bit sort of along the way, something bumped and connected in a very different way. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, you know, founding Adapti, looking at 
AI for LTV, or maybe it's CRM for subscription apps, whichever it is, how'd you get there? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, physics is really cool. I really like physics. And I did my bachelor in physics with a good mix of computer science and data science. And, you know, modern physics is really about numbers rather than doing these experiments in life. So you work with data. And as a hobby, I've been developing mobile applications since iOS 4. So since 2011 or something like that, or wow. pretty long. Yeah, so for pretty long time. And, you know, I've even passed uh, a Stanford course about iOS. And then back in that time, it was a, a big success course, a pretty cool course. And I was working as a research engineer at uh, University College London. So we've been doing things related to computer vision, related to data structures and analysis. But, you know, I'm really more about production rather than rather than research. And that's why my first full-time job was at a company called Easy 10. So back in time, it was in 2016, Easy10 was a leading mobile application for language learning in Europe. And I joined as a data analyst and data scientist and pretty quickly switched to marketing. And so I was really solving tasks about you know, how do we make sure that we are ROI positive when we buy traffic? How do we optimize our apps, our funnels, and etc.? And then after two years, we, me and my co-founder uh, have left Easy10 and founded our own mobile studio that helped mobile developers to integrate machine learning uh, solutions into the app. And surprisingly, most of our customers ask to build BI system for them, not more machine learning solutions, but BI systems. So they, you know, can measure their mobile economy. And after a year, after, you know, 15 successful cases, we realized it probably, we can do something out of it. And then iOS 13 was released, you know, with this small prompt when you uninstall app with an active subscription, mm -hmm. you're asked to unsubscribe. And we've seen the churn rate just jumped 10 times. And, you know, we, we started thinking maybe we can do something out of it. And that's how, cool. how we started. Cool. So at its core, the, the challenge is pricing, right? I mean, where do you price things? How do you configure your prices? Uh, are you pricing too high? Are you pricing too low? Do you not have the right range? What are some of the factors that determine the right price range for a subscription? First of all, uh, it's individually based on each app individually. But when we talk about optimal pricing, I really want to tell about subscription retention. So the first question you need to answer is maybe you're already in the optimal position and you don't need to change anything right now. So the first thing you need to do is compare yourself to a market. Probably ask some, find some statistics on app any or adjust, you know, they publicly announce a, a lot of benchmarks. And so take a look at your sales funnel, how people convert from install to trial, from trial to first purchases and et cetera, maybe you're already good. And take a look at your billing issue. So answer the question, why people cancel subscription? Either they have a billing issue or they cancel it just because they don't like a product. And that's two primary tools that you need to consider before optimizing subscriptions. So again, start from measuring what, what you have right now. And then if we're talking about optimization, the first thing is definitely take a look at location data. I mean, people in different countries, mm -hmm. they, they experience differently with your product. For example, in CIS countries, 
people are willing to pay more but without subscription so they're fine to buy a lifetime license for you know 100 200 dollars but they don't want to pay 10 dollars per month it's really which, weird which countries yeah. is that again in cis like in russia for example yes mm-hmm. cool. so it's a kind of mentality interesting cool so i i interrupted you there please continue yeah and the next thing you can take a look which is you know the data you can take from device without access to idfa or some sensitive info about user is the device model itself so if you collect this data and, and if you link it to a chain of transactions you can pretty quickly understand how people from different devices and again countries spend an in your app and you can use it to price them better. So mm-hmm. this is the easiest thing you can do just right out of the box. Cool. Yeah, location, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, I did some looking into this because I did have to do some research, John, for real, um, <laughs> into the philosophy of subscriptions. It turns out that there's the fallacy of, fallacy of, I believe it's cost or don't quote me. But anyway, the whole idea is that you have committed and therefore, because you've committed, you will never say, I made a real mistake. Sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost. There you go. You did the same research, John. <laughs> <laughs> so much in common. But the sunk cost fallacy. In any case, the idea is that there are levels of commitment that people are willing to make. And oftentimes, what happens is that the app developer, the app company, is actually underpricing what they offer, which I thought was fascinating. I thought that's interesting. A big mistake is that marketers underprice their services in a very volatile market. But what would you say are the biggest mistakes? What I'm hearing here is that they should pay attention to location data. What are some others? Do you have any ideas why people underprice their product? I have an answer. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Shoot, now we have to answer this. This is not how I have, it works. I have a thought that they underestimate the value, but I, I won't go there. I have some thoughts, but it's a... It's I'll, a I'll shoot a guess thing. out. I'm not afraid of making a fool of myself. Um, <laughs> happens all the time. I have a lot of experience with it. It's all good. I'll shoot a I'll hazard a guess. I think that sometimes marketers underprice their offering because they undervalue it because they're so mm. close to it that they don't actually see the value that it has in somebody's life, potentially. I'm sure the opposite happens as well, but Vitaly, please tell us the data. Yeah. So as far as I can see, when you launch an app, the first question is, what price do I need to set? So you have two primary answers for it. So the first one, you take your closer competitors and you make it a little bit less. <laughs> But the next thing, you take Apple Music price (laughs) and you set it as a price in your product, you know? And for example, in many countries, Apple Music is pretty cheap. Yes. I mean, it can be $2 per month, $3 per month and no more. And that's why lots of products are cheap in many countries. I mean, if we don't take tier one countries, marketers really undervalue products in non-dollar countries. In other words, they're setting their pricing based on what they think people are used to paying for a subscription service rather than the value they think that they're delivering. Exactly. So they say, okay, Apple Music is $9.99 per month. Probably people are okay to pay this price. Let's set it. Now, what's the solution to that? How do you fix that? Well, what we did is you need to test. Again, you want to understand what the... Uh, the dependency between the price and a subscription retention rate. So you take, for example, 10% of your audience 
you make a price 20% higher and then you test. Which metrics do you have? How many billing issues? How many cancellations you'll have? And this, you'll have a dependency. You know, you'll have some curve that probably if you increase on 20%, nothing will happen at all. If you increase two times, maybe you will see a churn rate up to 30%, but not two times. And it's really about this curve. And the best marketers I know, they know this curve pretty perfectly among different different segmentations, among different countries, different devices, different platforms even on Android and iOS. And it's really cool. Wow. I mean, if you know this elasticity. Wow. Very, very cool. Now, you said recently that 80% of all purchases are made during onboarding. I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, what that means, what the significance is, because often there's a perception that get them to use the product and upsell them over time, right? And Peggy and I have actually interviewed several people, including a former Google product manager who said, no, there's a hard paywall. <laughs> you pay to get in, then you're in. And you're saying 80% of those purchases happen during onboarding. Talk to us about what that means and what the significance is. Yeah, so just in two words, onboarding is a first couple of screens before you dive into the main app. And our statistics show if, if you sell during this couple of screens, you will have the most monetization out, your, out of your app. And I think the, the big idea is you make your sales funnel shorter. You know, so during these three screens, you promise a lot to a user. And that's why you have a lot of commitments. So if you have a great paywall where, where you clearly explain what a user will get if he will activate this pro account or premium account, it, it works. But it doesn't affect the long-term value for subscriptions. Yes, you can get more first-time purchases or trial, but it won't affect your long-term value. Probably not. If your app is not that good, it won't affect in the long term. But still, it works. And before iOS 13, with this little prompt of unsubscription, it was the main tool to monetize. You know, you just set the paywall as a first screen in the app, and then you just buy traffic. And, you know, TechCrunch, for example, they didn't like it and a lot of media didn't like it and a lot of users didn't like it. And that's why Apple is now fighting with it. And so two years ago, it worked, but now it, it doesn't work as good as, as it used to be. So it's still important, but Apple really is pushing the uh, development community to switching to more classical ways of marketing, like you've said. Okay, interesting. So it's not working as well anymore. And Apple is pushing people to offer some value in the app and then a paid tier of service. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you talk about it being during onboarding, right? And then there are like micro steps in that, you know, it's all about getting them those first few minutes, but it's all about placement as well, you know, where in that journey, even how perhaps, maybe in how you're doing the experiments, I'd like to hear first of all, what types you can do, but also what can you experiment with? Is this something like with mobile ad creatives that I can change the color or change the placement, change the creative? So, so tell me how you're looking at the experimentation to get that placement right. Well, um, let's see. So. I think it's still worth to optimize the first couple of steps. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is first, you can experiment with different onboardings. But if you take a closer look on your paywall, 
you, you can generally change two things. The first thing is are, are things related to pricing, those two SKUs and Apple or Google products. And with it, you can experience with many things like a trial or non-trial subscriptions. You can increase and decrease price, change periods, or you can do upselling, for example. So Apple released, I think a year ago, a new tool called subscription offers. Again, they clearly show that they're doing the steps towards more classical marketing ways to monetize. Or you can try, you know, different introductory promotional offers, or you can even do again targeting like different locations, devices, and etc. And it's all just about pricing and SKUs. But you can also change texts. You can test images, you can test media, you can test layout, how it appears to a user, right? Mm-hmm. And you can change order. So if you have three onboarding screens and then you have a paywall, you can do a test where you put your paywall on a second on or third screen or on a fourth screen, or you can even check hard versus soft paywall, those affects conversions. Mm-hmm. Any rules of thumb there, I'm just wondering, because if you think about it, you're saying, okay, you can have like X number of screens and then you get to the offer. You can change your wording around. I mean, I'm sure some people in our audience would say, great. So what's the killer pitch? <laughs> the <Vitality's laughs> for every, for every app. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's not going to be well, buy now. Um, there's no magic word. <laughs> there's no magic word. <laughs> or magic placement. You know, it may be that two screens in and then boom, you get it on the third. And then it has to maybe have this or that word. I'm just curious. You've seen enough with your clients. Share a little. Well, what I think is the biggest mistake is to hide paywall under a login screen. So again, just think about it as a sales funnel. You make your sales funnel longer. You just put it b- before your login screen. It's, I think it's crucially important. Mm-hmm. I, I see two primary strategy for first paywalls. So the first one is when you quickly show onboarding, just the sliding cards, you know, three cards. Mm-hmm. And the second one is when you ask users to fill a form, like, you know, it's commonly in fitness apps, when you're asked, like, enter your weight, your height, your age, and etc. Mm-hmm. Well, what I think is the first strategy works best, and it's faster to implement. So you just need to, you just need to change pictures. So it's pretty fast, and you can do it remotely without new app releases. What I also see now is selling yearly subscriptions uh, now works better than selling monthly or weekly subscriptions because people can't measure it. You know, you, you get a lot of money upfront and it's less risky than asking a user to pay each week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we see now a rise of uh, yearly subscriptions. It's also nice as a consumer because I can make one decision for the entire year. I don't have to make a decision every week or every month or anything like that. That's just annoying. And I can feel like I'm paying a lump sum and I'm getting a significant term of service. And I feel good about that. And I don't feel like I'm paying out every single month. I mean, I have that, Peggy, I don't know, we do car insurance, right? I Mm -hmm. do car insurance on an annual basis. Some people do it on a monthly. I like to get that payment out of the way. I wanted to bring up a question here that somebody on YouTube asked, Thomas. did consumers or developers get smarter? That was when you were talking <laughs> about subscriptions and and you know not working as well to have them immediately as you enter the app, right? Uh, do you have an answer for that? Well, I think just Apple 
made it smarter for iOS users. I mean, you know, with iOS 13 release made it really, really clear how you unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. So I cannot mm-hmm. tell about all users or, or all developers, but Apple is really protecting you from uh, subscribing to a wrong product. Agree. And we have to mention, as we're talking about subscriptions, that there have been people who have totally abused the system and abused consumers here, right? You've got like the flashlight yeah. app or the, the app that does nothing <clears throat> and you subscribe and it's like $100 a month or $100 a week or something like that. And there's people who literally made millions of dollars scamming people on that stuff. And so there had to be some protections put in place. Vitaly, I want to talk about metrics for a little bit. Do the metrics change? If you're moving to a subscription-based app and you previously were in perhaps in-app purchase, do the metrics that you use change? Do the metrics that you pay attention to change? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, can I just briefly tell about yearly subscriptions? There are two really important things here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so the first thing is most developers don't care about second and third conversions. I mean, it's fine. You grab your $100 right now, but what about the next year? You know, user's card can expire and there's a lot of risks for second charges. And if you're using Apple ecosystem, you can unsubscribe during these 364 days and return money back. Oh, that's dangerous as a publisher. Wow. You know, you can use a product for three months, then forget about it. And then again, after three months, you can write to Apple support and say, hey, you know, I really don't like this product anymore. I've been using it just three months out out of the whole year. Vitaly, you're giving millions of people a big idea right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I did not realize that that was a risk factor. Interesting, Peggy. I didn't realize that either. And if you think about it, what that does then to the model, because the whole idea was, oh, I'll just look at this one price. So it's telling us that actually in the A-B testing, it has to be elastic. If people think they can ask for annual and get away with it, it's not a slam dunk, as you would say, John. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Vitaly, then I'll ask you the, the question I was going to ask you, which is just around the metrics. If you move to a subscription model, which many apps are doing from an in-app purchase model, perhaps from a ad monetization model, what does that change in the metrics that you care about and look? Anything? Yeah, of course. So it's my favorite question here because it's it's basically what we're focusing on right now. So yes. when we talk about one-time purchases, you really have a simple mathematics, you really have a simple economy, right? You you know whether user converted or not, and you have a single dot. But when we tell about subscriptions, we tell the primary metric here is LTV and RPPU. The, the whole thing is around these two words. Yes. And so mm-hmm. you really need to somehow predict or calculate those two metrics. And if you can calculate them in a clever way, in an accurate way, you can do more risky things. So for example, you can do more expensive weekly subscriptions rather than doing a yearly subscriptions, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you know then in three months, in four months, or even a half a year, you will be ROI positive just because you know your numbers in unit economy, you know what's the customer acquisition cost, you know how people convert for these weekly subscriptions, you can calculate whether you will be profitable or not. So that's the the key here is to know about your LTV, I I believe so. Okay, okay, cool, thank you. 
And of course, drilling down into that, it's also knowing about your audience. And this is, of course, Retention Masterclass. We talk about audience. We talk about engagement marketing, you know, getting their attention and then getting them to come back, keeping them loyal. A big part of this is what I'm hearing is customization. So John, for example, he wants to get his car insurance out of the way in one shot. And other people might say, you know, oh, I'm more of a monthly person. Or you even talk about weekly subscriptions, which is something I haven't seen a lot of. So how do you go about that customization. I'm hearing A-B testing, but you know how granular can this get? Does John get a different price offer because John is different from me? I mean, are we going to get down to not Ooh, just airline pricing models? <laughs> yeah, segment of one, we're going to get down to the price of one. I mean, this is exciting stuff. Where, How far can I go? Well, it depends on the platform that we're talking about. Because we're talking about Apple ecosystem, it's really hard to go really deep into granularity because sharing data, personal user data is kind of hard inside the Apple ecosystem. And with iOS 14 releases, it will be even harder, I believe much more harder. And uh, so again, what you can do now, it depends on your marketing team and size. If you're only one or two marketing guys in the team, you're probably enough with device and location segmentation. It will be just fine and you will grab most of your users effectively. So for example, you can even distribute pricing on based on cities. So you can do in capitals more, more pricing than in, you know, side areas. So that's it. But if somebody shared the price with you, no, sorry, price and data, like gender, for example, it's really common to segment by gender. You can use it as a, your flag to do the same kind of analysis. So try to calculate your sales funnel for different age groups and again try to target them and trying to find elasticity for them mm -hmm. cool so very interesting so finding that right price for the right audience right right price right user right time right place right context it's another one of those points to keep in mind real quick question in a sentence what can't i do is there a no-go here uh don't hide your paywall <laughs> really i mean for the last couple of months I've, I've seen around 50 apps or even more and half of them just hide monetization somewhere far in the settings i mean how can you monetize your app if i can find a place where i, I need to pay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. okay well that's good that's definitely a good motto even a, a t-shirt vitaly it was great having <laughs> you here it was great having you. Thank you lesson. so much. That was thank uh, you so much. That was very very insightful for everybody else who joined us. Whatever platform you're on, hey, like, subscribe, share, comment, all the above. If you love the podcast, listen to the podcast later on. Please rate and review it. That would be a massive help. Absolutely. And until next time, of course, it's a wrap for today. But we keep coming back. In the meantime, keep well, keep safe. This is Peggy Ann Saltz signing off with Retention Masterclass. And I'm John Kitsier. See you soon. <laughs>